and welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. And before we get into our episode today, which is about tools and tips to make your knitting life a little easier, I just want to mention that we announced the winner of our gift card for the Penguono Knit Along yesterday. So if you haven't seen that, go to our Instagram, check that out at Make Good Pod. And then you still have time if you're still knitting. Obviously, you still have time. Just keep knitting. But the March of the Penguinos is coming up on March 6th, when we're hoping you'll have it at least far enough along that you can in some way put it on your body and either come knock on the window and we'll cheer for you or send us a video of you wearing it. For sure. Also, sidebar, how is it February? Because time is fake. Still? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Here we are. Time is the fakest of all the fake things. Month two of the new year. Woo! Sure. Tools and tips. Yes. So one of our favorite things about talking to knitters in the store is being able to share little stuff that just makes your life that tiny bit easier when you do it. Oh, yeah. Like everybody, (laughs) everybody knits differently, right? And we all have different styles and approaches and sometimes something that you didn't know was a problem is a problem. Right. Because somebody has just told you like the magic solution you didn't know you needed. Right. Totally. And that comes from knitters sharing things that they do with us or us constantly knitting and experimenting and then going, oh, why have I not been doing this for the past 20 years? And do it this way forever. Right. For example, did you know when you get yarn caked up, Uh I mean, make your choices, do what you want, but you can work from the center of your yarn cake. Yes. (laughs) Of your center pull ball, you sure can. Of your center pull ball. Uh Uh-huh. Some people prefer not to do it that way. Yeah, some people knit from the outside. Some people knit from the outside for like 40 years and then at some point come into the store and they're like, you're knitting from the center? That would be so much easier because then it wouldn't roll away from me. Hmm. Hmm. Things you learn. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to start us with one of my things I like to tell new knitters because I have a lot of contact with new knitters, whether it's in person in the before times or these days over Zoom. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Posture. And breathing are things that I think are really important when you are building your foundation knitting skills and getting into the craft. And I'm going to say that with the disclaimer that I have crappy knitting posture on the couch. I slouch down and drink a gin and tonic and (laughs) like snuggle the dogs. And sometimes I'm sorry for it in the morning (laughs) when I have like a crampy neck or whatever. But I know better. I just choose not to do better. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're learning how to knit, here are a couple of things that I think will be valuable to you. First of all, get yourself somewhere comfortable. Don't do it in a beanbag chair. Like comfortable seating where you can sit up and you want to make sure that your shoulders are kind of dropped and relaxed. Don't let them bunch up by your ears. And one of the things that will help you do that is if you focus on your breathing, which maybe sounds insane, but if you have ever taken a yoga class or some other sort of like, like some sort of meditation 
or you have like taken a class where you were preparing yourself to birth humans into the world. Like there's a lot of conversation about breathing and keeping yourself calm and focused. And if you can take some like deep focused breaths and blow out and relax your body, your shoulders will drop. You will sit up a little taller and your posture will be better and it will help prevent you from becoming a stressed out caterpillar. (laughs) (laughs) The worst kind of caterpillar. Uh, Yes, (laughs) because I find that uh, when people are learning how to knit, they will become so focused. Yes. So like laser point focused on this thing that they're trying to master, whether it's like keeping tension of your working yarn in your hand or holding your needles a certain way or trying to get your right needle into the stitch that's on the left needle. Like you see it happen. People start to shrink. They do. They are focused and their breathing stops and their shoulders creep up, and they start to, like, curl up on their project, you might get kitty tongue. (laughs) Um, It happens. Like, so many adults, when they're focused, their little kitty tongue pokes out of their mouth. Like, you can't, you have tunnel vision on this thing, and all of your other bodily functions, like, cease to exist. The other thing not to do this way, and this is really tempting, I think, especially when you're, like, curled up over it Mm -hmm. you put your elbows on your knees oh please don't do that and all that really does is distort your wrists yeah like just makes it hard try it right (laughs) now like are you knitting right now if you're doing dishes maybe now is not the time your pants you're driving yeah don't do but but if you're in a place where you can like lean forward and plant your elbows on your knees and then look at your wrists like hold them up in front of you and look at your wrists are they parallel? That's a bad thing when you're knitting. <laughs> right. You need your elbows to kind of be out to your sides a little bit and your wrists need to be relaxed so that you can hold your your needles in your hands in like an ergonomic way. It will make your knitting life easier. It will make learning your new stitches easier and will maybe make your body feel better than if you were a curled up little pill bug. holding your breath right and getting very stressed out and frustrated well and there's a big difference too between being a curled up pill bug while knitting because you're cozy with the dogs on the couch and being a curled up pill bug knitting because you're a stressed out caterpillar because your your ability to function under those two situations like under those two sets of circumstances is different oh yeah Definitely. Like, I'm making bad choices because Charlie is fighting me for the seat, so I have my hip hiked up and I got Mm -hmm. my arm on the armrest and whatever. I'm not feeling stressed about that situation. I'm not getting frustrated because I can't figure out how to do it. But if you find that you are getting frustrated because you're learning a new skill. Yeah. Yeah. Check in with your body on that one. because (laughs) Yeah. I think that's that's like the differentiating point here. Like... Are you lounging and having a drink and knitting on the couch with your dogs? Or are you trying to read a lace chart or learn a, learn brioche or, you know, something else that is a skill that you need to be paying attention to and focused on? Put yourself in a physical space that will best suit your needs. Right. Right. And breathe. Just get, no matter what, keep breathing because holding your breath, it's not good for you. <laughs> Yeah, so that's my initial tip. What what about you? 
kind of similarly, take a look at your lighting situation. Oh, Lord, yes. <laughs> if you have good lighting, try to use it. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a really silly thing, but often that's not something that you'll think about until you realize in the cool, clear, bright light of day what you have done <laughs> <laughs> that must now be undone. Yeah. Or, or not, you just live with it. Right. So our living room, not great lighting. Like, and we've changed lighting over time in there, so like different bulbs. We have like nine light bulbs in our living room because it used to be a workshop. So we used to have hue lights, those like ones that you can change. Mm -hmm. And basically it's a fight. Not, I mean, fight is strong. It's a balancing act between our human eyeballs and our ability to see what we're doing when we're knitting because nobody likes in, in our house, nobody likes the bright light bulbs just as humans. Yeah. So we, we like have adjusted the tone to be eyeball friendly. Yeah. So one year <laughs> I knit the Cleoqua sweater from Tin Can Knits for Scarlet, which if you haven't seen this pattern, it's a sweet little color work cardigan. It's steaked. It's lovely. And the way that I printed the pattern, it was grayscale. There are some subtle, subtle changes in hue to the gray Yes, Ugh. on the color work chart. And that in combination with the state of the lighting in our living room, I missed an entire color in the color work. Like, I just didn't knit it because I couldn't see it on the paper. And I was like, huh, <laughs> I just knit those sleeves. And for some reason, I only used two of my three contrast colors. And it wasn't until the next day after the sleeves were definitely done that I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, they did want me to use all three colors. I just couldn't see it. Good lighting is also useful if you're using dark yarn, like say you're knitting with the nightshades from Harrisville oh. or... Like highly textured yarn where like it's kind of hard to see your stitches, something that's got like lots of halo or crimp or something like better lighting will just make your life easier. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a low contrast sweater that I knit all Harrisville yarn. It was I want to say their ebony color and then charcoal and then a nightshade. Uh -huh. And there's one of the sleeves that I just completely messed up because I was knitting it in our kind of poorly lit living room and I just was like you know what you can't see it anyway so I have I have asymmetrical color work sleeves because I didn't know that right it's just one of those things like it is what it is I love that sweater surprise it's beautiful other tips that often we have to do a little bit of work to convince people to go along with is to just use circular needles don't use straight needles why yeah. is that we've talked about this a little bit like on our needle episode but you know, circular needles are multitaskers. Anything that you can knit on straight needles, you can also knit on your circular needles. And many things that you can knit on your circular needles, you can't knit on straight needles. So be efficient with your tools and just take the time to experiment a little bit and find a brand that you really like working with and it will be all the better for your knitting life. I also just personally really like the way the weight of the fabric is distributed on circular needles versus straight needles. It feels more comfortable. You can, I can knit for longer. Yeah. I think the ergonomics are just much better. It's gentler on your wrists. Yeah. Karen, what if I want to knit socks and I want to do them toe up and use every inch of this yarn? How do I do that? 
Well, you can and have them match. <laughs> split your skein in half before you start. Oh, where? How? Well, you could use your kitchen scale. Ah, and you can also, you know, do this at a yarn shop. They'll probably have a scale. But when you're winding your yarn, this is a little bit easier if you have a swift and ball winder, just because of the nature of the beast. Although you can also use like a bowl on your kitchen scale and then just make sure you tear that down to zero when it's, you know, when the bowl is empty. But you, you're going to wind your yarn once, mm -hmm. either by hand into a ball or on the swift, and then you plunk it on the kitchen scale. They all say they're like 100 grams. It's probably something like 104 or 106. 113 sometimes. Right. Because I think um, mills tend to err on the side of a little more than risk like not quite having 100 grams in the skein. So then you just leave your kitchen scale on. You start winding a second ball. And when it gets down to half the number of grams, and do it by grams, don't do it by ounces. When it gets down to half the number of grams... Cut your skein, and then probably you're going to want to rewind the second half that's still sitting on the scale because it's floppy. Because it's floppy, and like you don't want, I guess if you're like, it's a hand wound ball, maybe it's symmetrical. Sure. It would annoy me personally to have one small cake and then one half hollowed out cake that are two different sides. It's... Yeah, we do it in the shop all the time for people. Yeah. Mm hmm. But that's way easier than, for example, trying to do it with like a measuring tape or something, which I have seen people try to do. They've talked to us about trying to do like just use the weight. Yeah, weight's very accurate. What about tools that are handy to have to make your life easier? Okay, so I really am committed to using the AcreWorks gauge swatch tool. You can measure gauge with anything like knit your swatch, block it, lay it flat and measure it. But I find that my measurements are more accurate with their specific gauge tool than like using a measuring tape or a ruler or something. And that's largely because the AcreWorks tool has, it's shaped kind of like a four-pointed star. Sure. Diamond. It's like an X, but you're <laughs> orienting it so it's like perpendicular to you, right? It's not a it's diamond. It's a plus sign. It's a plus sign. Thank you. <laughs> that's the shape I could not conjure. With like a little channel, you know, X and Y axis in the center of that. And there are feet on the corners, like they're little teeth, like a comb kind of, mm -hmm. that you plunk it down on your swatch and it just kind of nestles into your knitting and it doesn't shift and move around. And the little cutout channels in the center are where you will count your stitches so you're not like putting your hands on the fabric and inadvertently shifting things and finding out that like, oops, I stretched my swatch and I'm actually off by three quarters of a stitch and over the expanse of my sweater, that's kind of significant. So that's a really nice tool that makes my swatching life easier. Another thing that I really like is using clips. If I have to do finish work that involves seaming pieces together, I find that it's much easier to keep my pieces of fabric lined up if I'm using some sort of clip. I really like the cocoa knits clips. They're kind of like those little like hair clips that are like the little spring-loaded teeth ones yeah, that maybe had butterfly clips. Yes, that had butterflies on them. Yeah. So if you have butterfly clips, you could use those. If you are a sewist and you have fabric clips like the magic clips, you could use those. 
or in a pinch, you could use clothespins or something. But I find that really like stabilizing your selvage edges so you can mattress stitch like the front and back of your sweater together is much easier when you are immobilizing those pieces of fabric. Making sure you have a good notions case, because if you are a bag lady, if you are one of those people who has a bunch of different project bags and you tend to like, you know, you'll have a couple of projects in rotation and maybe you're bringing your socks with you today. Maybe you're bringing your sweater with you today, but just having all of your notions in one little case that you can grab and transfer to the bag that has your project in it that you're working on is really handy. Oh, okay. So I think I talked about this briefly in kind of a weird way last week, but I am a recovering clicker user. (laughs) I used to use clickers for every single project and I've been trying to get away from it mostly because I knit through city meetings (laughs) (laughs) and I feel like that is one thing, but clicking a clicker is kind of another thing. Can I jump in here and ask if you remember the time I ruined your clicker? Yes. (laughs) Okay, this is confessional and it was such bad knitter form on my part but like in fairness we have tools everywhere oh yeah and somehow it didn't register with me that this clicker that was sitting on the table was actually in use and not just hanging out like the seven measuring tapes were right and i picked up this clicker while i was chatting with karen and just started wildly (laughs) clicking (laughs) i was fidgeting and then at some point we realized maybe I wasn't talking to you, I was talking to someone else and I was just like wildly clicking yeah. your clicker. And then it was like, oh no, <laughs> what have I done? And what I had done was totally lose her place <laughs> in her pattern. And I felt like a monster. I was like, no, no, I will count the rows of your pattern yeah, and, and figure so- out where you are. For whatever reason, it didn't, it didn't work out and I ended up like ripping back to the beginning of the section or something. That's the other danger because you've externalized. Oh, yeah. I felt like <laughs> such a monster. A monster. So anyways, clickers, What? How? Did, where are we going with clickers? Yeah. So <laughs> if you are, I'm thinking about sleeves specifically. Like if you have something where you are trying to be symmetrical. Mm-hmm. First, you could knit two at a time, which I love doing. And we're going to talk about that, I think, in a minute. But you can also, if you have a bunch of removable stitch markers, they have to be removable. Or they're a decorative element. Right. Or they become (laughs) a decorative element. We can tell a story about that too. If you leave them in, I clip them into the first stitch in my decrease row on my sleeves and I leave them there. Mm -hmm. And then when you're doing the second sleeve, you have those as a reference. Those are just all there lined up for you. That does require you to have a stash of removable stitch markers, but they're, you know, they come in packs of whatever it 60? is many yeah know, a lot <laughs> and so that's always handy you can also do that with like your socks mm-hmm. been knitting socks and when i start the increases for the heel on these socks i've been leaving this is a tip jessica told me i've been leaving one in there so that then when i'm knitting my second pair or my second sock in the pair rather i know exactly at what point so that they'll be the same and these kind of things are particularly useful if you're using like a textured yarn like boucle or Something with a halo like Surrey Merino or like mohair. Mohair. Because it's harder to read your stitches when there's stuff around your stitches. Yeah. I also like to knit my sleeves two at a time when the occasion presents itself. So like bottom up sleeves, fine. But also top down sweaters. 
I will knit my sleeves two at a time sometimes if I think about it. Usually patterns will tell you, you know, split for the sleeves, knit the body. And to that I say, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) I will put my body stitches on a spare cable with some end stoppers or on scrap yarn or something. And I will knit my sleeves two at a time first because the body of my sweater is big. And if I can not have that in the way, it's easier to knit my sleeves two at a time magic loop. And then that way I can make sure that I'm always decreasing on the same row and I don't have to read stitch markers. And then when I'm knitting the body, I'll just pull the sleeves inside out so they're out of the way like I tuck them to the inside of the yoke of the sweater and I just knit the body and boom done so that's a handy tip the thing I like to do for two at a time sleeves so when you're doing two at a time sleeves you're almost always working from two skeins of yarn I know there are people who will try to do it where they knit from like the inside and the outside strand. That feels like, to me, like I will dreadlock my yarn and never be able to untangle it. My favorite trick for that is you take your two yarn cakes. So you have to knit like a couple of inches of the sleeves before you can do this. So when you're knitting from two balls at once, it can be really tangly, especially if it's something that you're turning all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And if the body of the sweater is there in the middle, kind of being floppy and in the way, it can just get to be kind of a lot to deal with. But you can tuck your two cakes into the little baby sleeves that you're knitting so that then they're turning with you. You know, the the skein for that sleeve is right there. There's no big long string. And that tends to fall apart toward the end of the sleeve. When you get to where the cuff is, you'll find it starts to fall into your sweater, but it saves you a lot of headache getting there. So that was, I felt, that improved my life. (laughs) That was a quality of life improvement when I figured that one out. Speaking of working with multiple skeins, I really like having some sort of yarn-specific bag to keep my multiple skeins in, whether I'm doing like two-at-a-time sleeves or I'm knitting color work and there's just a lot going on. I really like the little mesh bag that Coco Knits makes because there's, at at the top of it, there are snaps. And not just one snap in the middle, like a purse that might snap shut would be, but there's like a whole row of snaps. So you can fit multiple little skeins in the bag and just kind of like pull the yarn out in between these little snap closures. You don't have to worry about your yarn snagging on like zipper teeth or something or Velcro, like it's a nice clean opening to the bag. And it really keeps your yarn balls from being able to move around and get the strands tangled. So that's helpful. And if you don't have one of those, you could use like little Ziploc baggies or really like you could stick them inside of like a sock Mm -hmm. and put them in separate pockets of your project bag or something just to kind of keep them where you need them to be. Oh, and then the last thing. So I've been trying to use fewer paper patterns Mm -hmm. because I have a tendency to, I'll print them out and then I'll just like terrible things happen to them. I think we talked about this not too long ago. Like project bags are just not designed for paper somehow. Like I, I do bad things to my patterns. So I've been trying to use a digital copy. And I know a lot of the knitters like at Craft Night that we knit with use iBooks Mm -hmm. and they'll import their PDF into the iBooks app and then mark them. To like indicate their progress. Yes, I've done that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Except for whatever reason, the annotation in iBooks is not terribly, like you're kind of, like the best you can really do is like highlight things. So you're crossing things out. It's just aesthetically, it bothers me. So I found another thing. There's an app called GoodNotes. And I apologize for Android users or non-smartphone users because I, I think it might just be an iOS thing. But it's it's an app called GoodNotes and it lets you import PDFs and then mark them up like you would with an actual pen. And it's been making me very happy to use it. And a lot of that, that's what these tools are, is like knitting is an aesthetic practice and you want to have a positive aesthetic experience while you're doing it. You don't necessarily want to be wrestling with six skeins of yarn <laughs> to do your, for example, the yoke of your kufal sweater, which I love with a passion. But it's a lot to keep track of. It was so much to keep track of because it's six skeins of yarn and kufal means puzzle. Mm -hmm. Like it is intended to be kind of a lot to keep track of. But I definitely planted myself in one chair on one day and just powered through so I wouldn't have to travel with this cluster of string. Yeah. Whatever you can do to make your knitting life easier. We'd love to hear what your favorite tools yes. and tips are. You can email us to tell us about them. And we, in a future episode, will share them. You can email us at dearscratch yes. at scratchsupplyco.com. And also send us your questions about anything or stories or pictures. Yes. We want to hear from you. So send us an email. Hey, Jessica, what's on your needles? Oh. <laughs> I'm not talking about the penguano today because I'm still finalizing some things <laughs> in preparation for the March of the Penguinos on March 6th. But I... Have some cannoli socks. Yes. On my needles. And I think it's time for me to tell people that I'm also working a little bit on my Tomas sweater because I really want to wear this thing. And yeah. it's just sleeves. I have to get it done. So, Tomas, it is. Someday it'll be warm. Don't say that. I, <laughs> no. But boy, do I have some warm weather knits planned that I'm not going to talk about now because it's not time. <laughs> I have a mental cue of all sorts of fun things to make this year. Yeah. What's on your needles, Karen? I have... Welcome back to the world of knitters who knit things besides socks. Right. So now I'm just finishing up all the little projects that I had abandoned for my sock... Sabbatical? Yeah. Sock extravaganza. So um, I'm finishing... Well, I'm not actually finishing up. I'm still plugging away on my Cinnabar. I picked that back up and I'm putting finishing touches on my Forager. Cool. And I have, in the last couple of weeks, I have amassed quite the Ravelry wish list. So I am also debating what to cast on next. Dream big, knitter. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica. Karen. I got a letter for you. It's letter time! <laughs> Yay! So after last week, we got an email from another shop owner. Wow. <laughs> I'm surprised. Okay. This letter comes from Jean. Thanks so much for providing this forum. Shop owner here with a problem I could use some advice on. 
This is a COVID problem, but I'm afraid it will continue to be an issue even after we open and I don't know how to handle it. We're using an app to have customers sign up for open knitting times, including our weekly knitting group. There's been some drama over at the other yarn shop in town, and a large part of their group has mutinied and come over to my shop. Oh. The group has several ladies who feel entitled to sign up their entire group and take all eight seats, shutting out my regulars who've been knitting with me since the day we opened. My problem is the takeover attitude. They're calling me constantly and emailing me demanding that they get all eight spots. I've kindly and firmly told them no. You can only sign up yourself and not all of your group. They refuse to see the problem with one person signing up every name at once. What should I do to get this back under control? Oh, Jean. <laughs> oh, no. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. And this is kind of a COVID problem because there's, I mean, I guess there's always like a limited number of seats because you have the seating you have. But right. like right now it's a lot more like when we're all vaccinated, you, don't, you won't have to sign up for stuff anymore. Right. Oh, what a thought. <laughs> okay. so. I have a couple of thoughts about this. And I guess my first one is that first and foremost, like your shop is yours. And if this group of, we're going to call them the pirate knitters <laughs> because they have mutinied and <laughs> That's right. apparently are laying claim to your shop now. And it feels very much like from, from what you're saying that's what they're doing. This is like hostile takeover yeah. kind of. You may need to be more than kind and firm with them to make it clear that they don't get to be mean girls at your shop. Right. Because I a little bit feel like that's maybe what's happening. Like it sounds like this is an insular group of knitters who are not interested in sharing space with people outside of their specific friend group. Yeah, because it doesn't feel like they don't want to join the other group. They want all eight of the seats. Yeah, they would like to displace the other group. Right. Which, not cool, pirates. Not cool. <laughs> Definitely this is complicated by COVID and trying to keep the community safe. And I think you have a couple of options here. One option is that your schedule could vary to accommodate like these different pods of knitters. So if eight seems to be the number that was working for your, we're going to call them initial group, your foundation group of people who have been there kind of long term, and that was enough seats for them to be there. And then there's the band of eight pirates. <laughs> Perhaps you connect with your longtime people and talk to them about a time, like a window that works for that group. And maybe you have two knit groups that come right yeah so that way everyone gets to be there and you're not overcrowding the space the other thing is if the pirates are really mean like maybe they're not mean but the takeover attitude feels right maybe maybe piratey. they're very nice but this one specific thing they're doing is super not it's weird yeah weird feels accurate yeah like if you can identify who Blackbeard is, like <laughs> who is the head mutineer? Yeah, who is who is in charge? Because I feel like in these very like clicky knitter cohorts, there is a leader. There, like, of course, there is. Yeah, <laughs> like there is a leader. I think you need to identify that person 
maybe via email or however you communicate with them and like have a frank conversation with them. Like if these are the rules, if you cannot adhere to these rules, then maybe this isn't the best match for you. Right. Like it's okay to say that to someone who is disregarding how you would like your space to be run. Right. Yeah. Don't let them bully you. And it may be that once COVID is over, these two groups will be able to be integrated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they might merge and become one big happy knitter family. And they might not. And it's probably okay either way. But I think it's for your sanity. (laughs) Right. It's important for you to not allow them to dictate the vibe of your space. Yes. And if their vibe is exclusionary and that is not what you intend your shop to be, you need to like put your foot down now before it gets like out of control. Right. And and also sort of the lead in here was that there was drama at the other yarn shop and they defected. Yes. Which means from a totally business standpoint. Mhm. They're probably going to defect from you too at some point. Don't forget who your actual longtime customers are in favor of this group. Yeah, this is definitely like patterns of behavior 101. Right. You meet a person and you're maybe interested in them and your friends are like, that person did XYZ horrible things to the last three people that they dated. And you're like, but they seem so nice. Right. And this is different. And I'm special. It won't be like that. Sorry, friend. Yes, it will. (laughs) It definitely will. Everyone else can see it. Think about what the possible outcome is here and maybe make moves accordingly. I would like to share a related but maybe positive story like from our own shop. We have multiple groups of knitters. Oh, yeah. And like everyone's peaceable and fine. Like there's no hostility going on here. But we have... Our Thursday night knit night, which clearly has been on Zoom for almost a year at this point. But like we have a very core, dedicated group of people who come every week and they came every week in person prior to having to move to Zoom and will someday be back in person. Yeah, I have every reason to believe we will (laughs) see them again in the flesh. But that's our Thursday night group. We have another group of knitters that like floats in and out periodically not during one of our organized knit night times. They are a group of friends who like to knit and they come in on, you know, they'll pick a day of the week and the time and they just show up and plop down on the couches and spend a while hanging out together. And it's not a formal organized like shop knit night or craft night. So Karen and I are generally not sitting with them and like immersed in their conversation. That's their time where they come and hang out in our space, but we are running the shop and doing other things. And that's fine too. Like there are different levels of organization of knitting groups and they're kind of sweet and adorable because sometimes they'll be in the shop knitting and someone from our Thursday night group will come in and they're always like, wow, there are other groups of people. (laughs) It is really funny to see. And a lot of this is just schedule, right? Like if you are If you are not full-time in a space, you interact with the people who have similar schedules to yours. And so if you are somebody who is full-time employed and the time that you come to knit is after the store is closed on Thursday night, Mm -hmm. 
you're never going to interact. And it's it is adorable when like the the Venn diagram overlaps of these oh, yeah. different. Yeah, they see favorite. each other, and it's like you have other. Yeah, there's whole bubbles sets of, of knitters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about them, and they're always like friendly and nice, and it's very sweet when yes. they. Yeah, it just is. It's like when you realize that like your parents have friends that you don't know about right. or something. <laughs> right. It's like right. you have this whole other life that right. like doesn't revolve around my space in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, and like I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but differently from other types of retail spaces, because on some level, a yarn shop is a retail space, but on another level, it is a community space. Yes. And people feel connection and belonging and on some level ownership over the community spaces that they belong in. And what differentiates a yarn shop from something like a, I don't know, an Elks Lodge or something, right, is that they're probably not paying a membership fee. There are some shops that are set up like that that have like be a supporter of the shop right our ours isn't so I, I guess I can't really speak to that but you know you're not paying like my dues to be part of this community the community is organic yes like it just it happens or it doesn't right and sort of two things about that one thing is that it's glorious mm-hmm. but the other thing is that as the shop owner if you feel like the community has something weird happening, you are the one that has to step in and deal with it. There is no membership committee that's going to help you out. Like, right. if there are pirates trying to take over your shop, you have to stop them. <laughs> <laughs> you, have to, you have to find a way that, to change that dynamic. Like, it can't be hostile takeover. It can be integration. Or it can be, if integration is not an option, stagger their schedules yeah but yeah you have to figure this out and hopefully blackbeard sees reason right (laughs) if you talk to them kind of directly and just say hey yeah i can only do so many hours of this a week like we have to find a way to do this differently you cannot swoop in and hoard all of the spaces and also that kind of behavior leads to things like blackbeard has signed up seven other pirates but only two of them show up that week and now there are five spaces where like the other knitters could have been there as well it's just not cool everyone sign up for your own space well and i think there there are yarn shop culture things that happen and like for example we have you know we have our regulars who have been coming to the shop for four plus years now Mm mm-hmm Some of them have particular chairs or particular couches or particular seats that they like to sit in. And that is totally fine. But the first time a new person comes in and sits in one of those seats and a regular comes in and gets nasty to them about it, that's a problem. Oh, that's unacceptable. Because those are stories you hear from people who I've been in knitting groups in other shops where things like that have happened. Like it is not welcoming and it's not comfortable for the new person. We've been dealing with that sometimes on Zoom, where you have somebody who's new and it's a bunch of the regulars talking to each other. And some of it is that it's the Hollywood squares on the screen thing. And we have to (laughs) jump in and be like, hey, there's a new person here. We are maybe the only people who recognize that she's a new person because she could be part of another pod or whatever. Right. What are you working on? Like, welcome. 
friend, please feel like it is time for you to speak now because these other people maybe don't realize that you need to be invited. Like as the shop owners, that's our job. Yeah, absolutely. And like you, you may run your knit circles, your craft circles a particular way. Ours are very unmoderated and kind of a free for all. Like people are just hanging out. Yes. We know that there are definitely knitting circles that exist where like knitting is the only conversation topic that's allowed. That is definitely not the case here. There is a scheduled start time. And if you're not there, you're not part of the thing or yes, you missed the icebreaker question. So you're not allowed to be there that night. Yep. There's a knitting friend that we have who somehow we have not had the opportunity to go to this yet, but (laughs) maybe soon will, where the Zoom room starts and everyone is muted and there's a playlist and everyone's just kind of hanging out and listening to music and working on their things. And then for like the last half an hour, mute comes off and then people can chat and like share what they're doing or whatever. But it's not like three hours of intense conversations. It's very like laid back vibe. Just do your thing. You can talk in the chat if you want, but it's you're enjoying music together and working on your own stuff. So like all of these amazing types of groups like have their own culture and etiquette and whatever. But like Jane, I hope you have success with the pirates and I hope you are able (laughs) to kind of correct course here and continue having like the type of vibe that you want to have in your shop. Yeah. We support you. Because ultimately... If you don't squash this kind of thing when it starts, now you're stuck working in an, in an environment that feels hostile to you. Yeah. You have to be the boss of your shop. Mm-hmm. And you can do it. We believe in you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and let us know how it went because I want to know what happened with the pirates. Oh, for sure. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. You can send us letters, dear scratch at scratchsupplyco.com, and we will do our very best to give you some kind of advice. You can follow us on our Instagram at makegoodpod, and the Penguono knit along is ongoing until the March of the Penguonos That's on right. March 6th. There are two kinds of prizes. One of the, uh, the windows is closed, but the other one is the sense of completion and freedom you get from knitting down your stash, and that remains open until the end of time. You can subscribe to this podcast on wherever you get your podcasts. And rate us and review us. Oh, yeah. It'll help people find us when they search for their new favorite audio knitting podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.